0: and welcome back to the save sphere podcast your one-stop shop for all things gaming my name's kevin i'm back with dan today we're going to be talking about skyrim as well as a few other games we've been playing
1: Hey there, Dan here. As Kevin said, Skyrim will be the co- topic of conversation today. Uh, this should get pretty interesting, as I think that uh, me and Kevin have some pretty uh, pretty opposing thoughts about this game.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the opposing thoughts have become less opposing over time, especially because I just recently played the game. Um, before, when I said I hated Skyrim, it was... I haven't played it since like 2013, to be fair. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, for the purpose of this podcast, I'll start playing it again. And I went back. And it's not as bad as I remember. I think it was just, it just came at the wrong time when it came out. I wasn't really looking to play the game at the time. Because Dark Souls came out around the same time. And I was just so into Dark Souls, it kind of overshadowed Skyrim.
1: Right, you know, and I, I think, I think the big difference for me is too. It's like I, I, grew up on Morrowind and Oblivion. You know, I, I have several hundred hours into those games easily a piece. Um, so like I was really what I remember the day that Skyrim came out because it came out eleven, eleven, eleven. Uh. So November 11, thousand eleven, and I was actually working at GameStop at the time. Um, and I went to that midnight release for it. I took the I took the day off. You know what I mean? Like I I was I I. For me, it was more so like nostalgia because those are the like, those are the RPGs that I really enjoy doing because like it was something completely immersive. Um, so I've spent the last you know eight years still playing that game like every six months. Um. So I, I understand where you're coming from because, you know, obviously at the same time Dark Souls was out and that was like a, you know, a pretty, pretty amazing game. Um, but I'm glad that you're giving it a second shot here. Do you uh, do you, you roll with any mods?
0: Yeah, when I first started, I tried putting on a ton of mods and I think this might be like a noob modder's first mistake, but I just started putting a ton of mods on and then my game stopped running. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back and turn them all off. It was like a, I had a couple physics things to make the movements look a little more realistic, and then a bunch of graphic mods. But I don't think yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, so it didn't really look much better. But I have seen videos of it looking like a totally different game.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what what's really like Bethesda games are good for. You know what I mean? And I, I like I've been playing Fallout Four recently. And the the big draw for those games for me is like the the, the replayability and the fact that like the modding community still keeps these games alive. You know, I've played Skyrim countless times. I've beaten that game, uh, you know, several times over in many different ways. Um, I mean, I always end up being a stealth archer because that's, you know, if you're not a stealth archer, are you even playing Skyrim at that point? Um but I would say, like I've over the last eight or nine years, I've probably put thousands of hours into Skyrim, and yeah. it, it's because of the modding community.
0: Right, right. Uh, I want to talk about a story of Skyrim when the game first came out. It was 2011, you said, right? Yep. It was so it was definitely winter because I remember it was snowy out. Yep. Probably not safe to drive. But a whole bunch of us, I think, like seven of us, got all of our own TVs all of our own xboxes and drove over to our buddy's house in the manor and we lined up our TVs and we just all played skyrim together like it was a multiplayer game
1: yeah. i can't even imagine his uh, his power bill from that cuz there was <laughs> we all had our own individual yeah. TVs we all had our own fucking xboxes it was just it was it
0: was bananas and i remember that time we were all playing skyrim it was all good and dandy but because I was just jumping off of Dark Souls, the one thing about Dark Souls I love so much was the combat. It was like so skillful; you had to be so precise, and it had like that weight to it. And then I went to Skyrim, and it felt like you're just bashing away at everything, <laughs> which is it's fun. It's its own thing, but it just doesn't have the same impact for me. And that's the thing that pulled me away. But the whole world is pretty amazing as I go back and play it again. It it, it actually aged well all the textures and how you can pretty much go anywhere i don't think oh, any, yeah. ban- any other company doesn't really do that as well no i mean
1: we, we, we talked to you know briefly you know about how like there's a lot of other games that do like open world stuff but like it's all very sandboxy right you know you can't just like s- s- stand on top of a mountain and look at an area and be like i'm gonna go there you know what I mean? You look at like Grand Theft Auto or you go to, you know, look at all these other games, like everything you see in Skyrim, you can go to. You know what I mean? So that like that's I think that's the big difference. And that's one of the very few games that really has had or that really one of the few companies that have really captured that that open world um, environment.
0: You may have to run up a parallel mountain with a horse, but you can get <laughs> there. Yeah, you can get there. You know, it's not, it's not
1: the preferred way of travel, but, you know, hey. If it works, it works. But, you know, you talked about, like, you know, how things have aged in that game. I mean, like, if you look at the water in that game, like, that's, like, with no mods, just vanilla vanilla Skyrim, and you look at the water in that game. It's, like, for its time, that was groundbreaking. Um, I think it won an award for the water, really? to be honest. Like, yeah, like, the, the way that the waterfalls looked and how, yeah. like, the actual moving water looked um, and the physics behind it, because, like, if you put, put a, like, a dead body in the water, it will float away with the current. Um And even so, still today, without any mods or anything like that, it's
0: still beautiful. It's a pretty expansive map.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's things that I still find that I never saw before, you know? And I've read all the books in Skyrim. I know most of the lore that goes involved in it. You know, all the different Daedric Princes, the Nine Divines, you know... And I, I will still, like, happen upon a cave that, like, I may have seen before, but, like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll explore it a little bit more deeply and find some interesting stuff in there that I've never seen, you know? So, it's, like, it, it really does, like, it ages so well because there, there really is, like, just so much stuff to do in it. It's its own, like, living world.
0: Right. And you're someone that comes from a Dungeons & Dragons background as well, right? Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I never really got into that stuff, and I feel like Bethesda really caters to that crowd quite a bit.
1: Yeah, they, they, they really kind of more so focus on the immersion aspect of like RPGs, whereas like, so we'll we'll, we'll do we'll stick with the comparison of like Dark Souls to, to to Skyrim, right? So like Dark Souls is more so of like, you know, this is a very technical game. You you want to make sure that you're you're All your movements are timed correctly. You you want to make sure that your your equipment is not interfering with how you how how your actions are. Um, Whereas like you look at Skyrim and it's just like hey man whatever you want to do we're totally cool with it just as long as you build your character the right way you know they don't so like it really does cater to that 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 immersion aspect like you can just be what you want to be in that game yeah like you want to be like one of my favorite characters I ever made was this old dude right who like I all I wore was leather armor the entire game I was missing an eye you know and my only way we- I would walk into situations unarmed and I would just my my weapon of choice was a bound warhammer that I would just summon out of the air and like that to me is, is what makes that game so good because you can really create whatever you want to do whereas like you see like the dark souls or like you know many other games of that like that that similar like you know sword and shield knights and dragons kind of yeah. thing where it's like you're really forced in the specific roles. Yeah, but there's
0: a meta too. If you're not going to the meta, you're just gonna get destroyed. Where like I right. feel like Skyrim, like you can do anything. I usually like to play magic with one hand and and like a one handed weapon. In most games you just can't do that. It won't be balanced properly, or it'll be too weak. And but they just let you do it in this game, which I and appreciate. it's and
1: it's a super like a battle mage class in Skyrim is a super super well-balanced class everything is well balanced as long as you just you you work at it enough and that's what I really respect about Bethesda and it's the same thing with Fallout I mean obviously Fallout 4 wasn't you know the best game in the world story-wise but like it's the same thing you can essentially just do whatever the hell you want to do right right you know I I don't know I I, like Skyrim to me is very special you know it's just like it's something that I always go back to I'm in love with the world I'm in love with the story I'm in love with the characters um I mean The entire story, like, I mean, like you get, you get dropped into it. And I mean, this is the same thing with most Bethesda games, right? You have no idea why you're there or what, you know, how you got there, but that doesn't matter. You know, once you get into it and you realize how alive the world is, right? There's a civil war happening that's, you know, based on, you know, you know, basically religion, you know, that Talos isn't, you know, isn't, shouldn't be a god and whatever. And like some dude shouted at another guy, it like yelled at him to death. And it's just, it, you know, you start off in that, and it's just wild, right? So, and that's, like, one of just the, a small story segment of it. Like, the Civil War isn't a big part of it, you know? And then you have right. this, you know, grand thing where you're the Dragonborn, you have to go fight the, you know, the <laughs> Devourer of Worlds. Um, and even the DLC is phenomenal, because the DLC makes you feel something. You know, when you're going into Dawnguard, like, I fell in love with Serana, the the, the vampire chick. I don't know if you if you got that far yet, but, like, <laughs> she was a captivating character
0: yeah and this is where there's an ongoing discussion of games versus art or games as an art and i think skyrim is a perfect example of how games are an art because you have a totally different interpretation of the game and for me i don't really have that deep connection i play it because like it's fun where you have this whole entire world that you attach to And that's just like any any piece of art like it could be a song a musician the fact that it has that subject subjectivity to it is what makes it so artful
1: right I mean and and that we can go back to our first episode where we were talking about Final Fantasy 7 and and like that is another perfect example of art. You know, I still cry during certain scenes of that game because they just they, there's an overwhelming amount of emotion when certain things are happening. Um, and I and I I mean, I haven't really cried during Skyrim, but like take the Dark Brotherhood questline, for example. And I don't know, again... I, I, I do like, know I, that I one. I, I know of that so, one. So, yeah, the Dark Brotherhood questline is one of my favorite questlines in the entire game. And it's like, because, you know, all the characters are really cool. Like Cicero is, is, is such a phenomenal character, the Jester. Yeah. But like when you get towards the end, right? So you go to assassinate the Emperor... And in in the process of assassinating the emperor, you have to you know obviously kill a bunch of other people. One of these people's uh, one of these people that you kill is the son of a commander, right? So right before you you go through with the plot of killing the emperor, you find out that your um you know someone betrayed you. Someone betrayed you in the Dark Brotherhood and sold you out to this commander whose son that you killed. He goes back. He murders all of your family, right? He murders the entire Dark Brotherhood. Um, and then, you know, you have to, you like, you know, the contract's still on, I have to go kill that, that emperor still, I have to avenge, uh, avenge my people. Right. So you go to assassinate the emperor, you walk in. you go through this whole ship, you fight all these dudes. Right. And you see the emperor sitting there and he doesn't do anything. Right. He just stands there and he's like, you know, in all the stories of emperors and assassins, you know, I know how this ends. You're going to kill me um you know and you have a conversation with him right and it's like it, it's like he's accepting his own death he's accepting you know the order of things right and he's just like you know do me a favor just kill the guy that you know set me up for assassination so you kill him you go kill the other guy but the best part about that entire quest line is that there's an optional mission right that you can go kill the dude that just murdered your entire family and every time i get to that part i unequip like all my my best weapons and i just equip like a steel sword And I duel (laughs) this guy, right? I make this as, like, you know, it's, it, to me, it's, like, it's not fun to just one-shot him with something or, like, assassinate him. Like, I actually get into a sword fight with this guy because we both, like, he's, like, an actual nemesis at that point. Right. Um, And, and to me, like, that's why that, that entire quest line is so beautifully done because, like, it actually makes me feel something when I go into it.
0: Because it has the individualism. You kind of made it your own thing when you picked up that sword and you decided to duel him. Right. It's, Whereas, it's the immersion aspect of it. Right. Where a lot of games will fish you through a certain path, which it's also not a bad thing, like the Naughty Dog games. Their stories are so well done, but they definitely just fish you through pretty much everything you have to do, which is fine because they have their story they need to tell. Right.
1: And and, and there there's, you know, the, that's why like I like that gaming in general is such a wonderful thing to me is because you do have these different genres of games, like right? Like if I just want to play something to you know just experience the world at my leisure you know i have that option or if i want to play something i want to like an interactive movie like last of us like is a beautiful game don't get me wrong and i'm not saying anything bad about last of us but like last of us or um uncharted they're basically like interactive movies right
0: definitely yeah but still
1: beautiful games in their own right and i still like to play them you know mm-hmm. i i dude i cried my 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 eyes out in the first 5 minutes of last of us <laughs>
0: yeah that was that was an impactful scene to put be put in a game
1: right that's some right hollywood level drama
0: there yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure
1: I mean, I think Elder Scrolls in general. I don't want to just say Skyrim because I felt the same way about Morrowind. I felt felt the same way about Oblivion. Oblivion had one of the most beautiful DLCs I've ever seen in my entire life, which was the Shivering Isles pack. Um, But it's just like i think elder scrolls in general like that entire world will always be on my top five games of all time like as just a whole just because they just what they do they they experiment with everything like i love bethesda when it comes down to these games because they really do let you make it your own
0: Hmm. Hmm. what i am looking forward to is elder scrolls 6 i know it may be a far ways off but i'm kind of more I'm more on the bandwagon of Bethesda now. When Skyrim came out, I didn't really know what it was or anything. So now that I'm on the train, I think having a brand new game built for the modern generation—oh yeah—it's gonna. I, I'm gonna really get into it for sure. And all those yeah, moments I'm- you were talking about, those more theatrical moments of seeing the the emperor wait and await his death—like that's gonna be so much more powerful with modern graphics.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know. The thing is, too, like, so... We'll talk about VR for a second, right? So, like, you know, th- actually, think think about, like, when y- you, uh, you were a kid, right? And N64 first came out, and you plugged in Super Mario 64 for the first time. Do you remember how, like, groundbreaking that was? Yeah. Comparative to, like, you know, Yoshi's Island and all yep. these other games that were on these old systems that were always that side-scrolling 2D. So... I think vr is that next jump right everything since then has always just been mm-hmm. m- minor improvements nothing's been as groundbreaking as that was um now with vr coming out and we had skyrim vr right and i didn't really get into skyrim vr too much just because like it's the same it's the game that i've always played it's the game that i've always loved it's not built for vr right however with vr being on the horizon and where it's at now i think that skyrim or i'm sorry elder scrolls 6 is going to be something that might be catered more towards that VR aspect of it, yeah. and I think that that would blow a lot of things out of the water yeah. in, in terms of like you know establishing the new norm in gaming.
0: I think VR definitely needs some work, though. When I use VR, I, it's it's cool, but <laughs> it's just so bulky right now. Yeah, it's kind of like this big box. I really like how it looks in Final Fantasy VII Remake, the Shinra VR. I think that's where it needs to go. It needs to look like that and feel like that. Super sleek.
1: Fuck Uh, it, just uh, get context, you know? Give me me some VR context. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is one essential VR game, though. It's called Gorn. Have you ever played Gorn? No. It's amazing. You're a gladiator. And you just fight. It's great. It's just an arena and they just keep coming in. But the best part is you can like pick up these giant muscly dudes by the leg spin them around your head and throw them into the crowd. It's amazing.
1: Oh, I, you know, I have seen videos about that game and I kind of actually want to play that because it looks it looks like a lot of fun. Like a lot of those VR games that are just like, you know, like dumb VR games. Right. Yeah. You know, not, I'm not saying that that game is a dumb game, because I think it's I think it's actually pretty genius because it's something that seems fun. But a lot of those, you know, they all follow a very similar similar builds right like they all look fun they all look fun to me but mm-hmm. like they're 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 not like that groundbreaking experience yeah. that i that i want um and i i think that we're we're getting close to it
0: yeah i think uh, let me ask how do you think they should do elder scrolls 6 vr would it be you just have the headset on but you sit in a chair or you're actually up moving around and doing all this stuff so
1: i think they need to build it with options right yeah so like you have the options of just your normal playthrough, right? Of just sitting in a chair playing with the controller because fuck, I love doing that. You know, after a long day at work, you know, maybe I don't want to pull out the headset and get everything all set up. um But I think it also should give the option to be able to, you know, with a headset, you know, control the the sword swings or the shield blocks or anything like that. um Or you know, aiming aiming a bow and arrow is pretty rad in. Uh, skyrim vr so i would i, mean, I would like yeah. that option
0: because that's one but thing that worries me is i've played it at my buddy's house and he has a whole room set up for vr it's a big open room and there's plenty of space if i tried that in my apartment i guarantee something would be broken yeah i punched <laughs> within, the wall the first time i was playing it because it is doing where you forget that you're doing it and then all of a sudden there's a hole in the wall
1: yeah the, yeah the first the first time i was playing it i uh I didn't realize where I was. and It's like my girlfriend at the time was watching me play it. And she was like, I heard it because I was wearing headphones too. And I, I like heard her very quietly say, you know, like, watch out. And the next thing I knew I was swinging a sword and I punched a hole in my wall. Um, and then later on that night, I fell asleep with the headset on. And like when I opened my eyes and woke up, I was standing on top of a mountain and it was snowing. And I freaked out for a second. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know, VR is, is gonna get there, right? And I think that Elder Scrolls six might be that first that first positive mm-hmm. like not that anything else hasn't been positive, but I think that's gonna be the first like major move into right. that. Like
0: right now I would not get VR. It's very expensive and I could maybe play Beat Saber or like creed the boxing game, but there's no like heavy hitter that is a console seller right now for VR. I bought
1: I bought the PS VR a couple of years ago and yeah. um you know, I bought it specifically for Skyrim VR, and I didn't even really play that. And I got a bunch of other VR games that were all fun for like a day, you know, right, and nothing right. really. they kind of me many, It's kind of like Wii Sports
0: version They're really fun and cool. They show off the technology, but it doesn't go beyond yeah.
1: that. It it it's it like it's, it's it's like Wii Sports, but you're just alone. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're not. You don't get something you can't play with. You're like you can't like hey, come on in here and like I don't know sword fight me or something like that. You can't you can't do that with that with this VR unless two people have headsets right
0: so vr has so much capabilities like i would love to try the ace combat game just flying in a plane oh yeah resident evil 7 i think that i haven't tried that yet i bet i would probably yeah. last maybe 45 that's, minutes
1: that's <laughs> actually going I, t- I take everything back but i said back about um there's been no games that have been like really great on vr yeah. resident evil 7 is the one. Really? Um, I don't. All right. So I'm going to give you a little story about this one. So I don't like scary things. Right. I'm not. I I am. I am. I am kind of a big baby when it comes to that stuff, especially jump scares. But my buddy uh, had gotten Resident Evil 7. and He got the PSVR specifically for that. So I was like, you know, I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. You know, as long as I'm, I don't have the headset on, I'll probably be fine. Yo, we were watching him play that. Right. Me and his, me and his uh, girlfriend. We're, we're both watching him play it and he's like, you know, peering around corners and like looking through like cracks of things and you <laughs> see like shit just walking in the background looking scary as hell. Like, and it was giving me horrible anxiety and I wasn't even the one wearing the headset. Um, you know, and my, my buddy who's, he's, he, who's pretty big into those games was f- freaked out, like crazy amount of freaked out. He played through the game without VR beforehand, wasn't nearly as scared. Like the VR really does
0: um, help yeah. with that the game on it on its own is really scary Very already <laughs> when, you, when you're actually in that house i couldn't imagine towards the end yeah. towards the end the resident evil games always get less and less scary when you realize it's some like it's more it's not really that supernatural it's just some guy with a virus who's just infecting people yeah well, it's, it's, <laughs> the openings of those games are so scary when there's so much mystery and there's these zombies everywhere you don't know where it's coming from
1: yeah, and I think Resident Evil Seven did it right. You know, I think Resident Evil Four and Resident Evil Seven were were the two best like later entries into yeah. it. Like, because obviously like one and two were like, you know, amazing for their time. Code, Code Veronica was amazing. Um, but Resident Evil Four and Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil Seven really really made the, those games the way that they are. Because like, you know, Leon Kennedy walking through the the the, the old abandoned village and it's, like all these villagers are corrupted and stuff like that. You have no idea what's going on. You have some really cool villains in that. Um, you know, at the end you find out, you know, it was, it was the virus the whole time. Um, but then you know, seven, it really did give you that alone feeling again. Um, where it was, it was yeah. just you. You were going through a house, and like the only real villains, I mean, besides like there's the those mutated husk things, but like you had those three people that were just after you, and like that w- brought me back to like early Resident Evil where I was actually scared.
0: One of the points of this podcast is to put video games on the same playing field as other forms of media, whether it be a TV show, a movie, or music. And all the games we just talked about absolutely do that. But the issue is, there's such a big learning curve for people that don't understand that. They'd have to learn how to play a game first before they can get and play Resident Evil 7. So... Right. I was thinking about this a lot lately. The people... I would just say probably let's just say a number 50 years and later, 50 years old and later. Um, They don't have the same entry point as we do. Like we've, we've been through the entire, we've been around since Nintendo and we've seen the growth all the way to what it is now. So back when games first started, when it was, let's say Pong, tetris i think i said in the last episode i mean the games used art to create but the actual gameplay itself wasn't really artful but now you have stories like skyrim or resident evil and it's become this huge thing and i think it's only going to get more artful as time goes on i would definitely agree with that um i mean i i i I think
1: we're, we're we're at a point too now where i think the the general population you know even people that aren't so like when I when I was I mean I was have always been a gamer but like when I was in high school you know it wasn't cool to be a gamer you know what I mean it was just like oh look at him he just wants to he doesn't want to play sports what a what a weirdo yeah. um, you know but now it's like getting to the point where it's like it's it's accepted
0: one of my hobbies is I like to go to the gym all the power lifter guys they always wear anime and video game clothing they have the Goku socks the Goku shirt. The Marvel shorts. It's even like the Chads have adapted the video game culture now. They're appropriating right. our culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, let them come, man. You know, it's, I, I don't want to. I don't want to close the walls on anybody. If if you
1: appreciate some sort of oh, yeah. like, I don't know, like some facet of nerddom, like you know, talk. You know that we just want to talk about it. You know, that's yeah. all. I've ever wanted to do is talk about video games like that's or, you know, video games or anime or any like nerdy, sh- nerdy shit. Um, but like when I worked at GameStop, like the worst part of my day was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to talk to this weird nerd about Skyrim for like three hours. And that was awesome. I looked forward <laughs> to that, you know? Um, so it's just like, you know, these these like I don't like I if, if I see someone wearing like a shirt that references like an anime or like a, a video game that I like, I usually try to strike up a conversation with them. I'll just like spin a reference off at them and see if they catch on, if they're really a true fan, you know? Right.
0: I have a Persona 5 shirt. I wear it all the time, my favorite shirts. It doesn't, like a lot of anime shirts will have like a big logo or something like that. This just says Shujin Academy Phantom Thieves, and it's like a sports jersey. I wear it all the time. I love it. Yeah, it's great.
1: (laughs) That's so awesome. I want that thing.
0: That's how I trust uh, people.
1: Do you really know? Yeah. Do you really know? Did you uh did you beat Persona 5 Royal?
0: No. I'm having trouble with it. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm gonna be the hater on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't again, I don't hate I played it I played the original all the way through. I probably put like two hundred hours in. I think it's a hard game for me to replay because there's yeah. a lot of sameness. And a lot of it is just kind of like watching an anime, <laughs> pretty much. It's
1: an interactive anime. Right, in between once, each. Once you realize yeah. the game, it's it's not actually the most challenging game in the world. It's just like, it's literally watching an anime. Right.
0: And seeing all the same scenes again, I'm playing it really slow. I'm currently, I just got done with Madarama. I'm in that middle ground, and it's just a bunch of anime episodes back to back. So I have to get through yeah. all the episodes before I get to the next dungeon. But that's where I'm at. Gotcha. I just met a catchy i do like all the new stuff that they added with a cat you can uh meet with a catchy more now and
1: yeah and just wait man like just wait till the wait till the the when the dlc actually hits the third semester because it gets wild yeah it it gets absolutely wild (laughs) so one thing that i did want to talk about here you know and we we talk about art the gaming being art and stuff like that you know do you have a specific game that you think of when you think about video games being art
0: yes there's one i finished recently a couple of months ago called Hyperlight drifter okay and everything about this game just from the style to the gameplay to the story it's so well done and i think games are getting to the point where they're not just on the nose it's not just like oh go save the princess that's the story there's so many little intricate things that they don't even need to say directly. You can just figure it out through playing. And Hyper Light Drifter does this so well. It's one of those games, it's very old school, where you just, you just plop in, you just start playing. It doesn't really give you much. Right. And you start going through, and there's documents everywhere and stuff. And what got to me is the creator, Alex Preston, uh, revealed what the game was. He pretty much came out and told you. And once I read that, the game opened up even more and you started realizing things. And I'm going to quote him. He's dealt with serious health issues since he was born. He had a congenital heart disease. And what that is, it's digestive and immune problems. And it left him hospitalized on numerous occasions, often near death. And it gave him a perspective on life and it plays into the stories he wanted to tell. And the main character suffers from a deadly illness and he's desperate to find a cure. And it haunts him endlessly. And that was just so impactful to me. Because there's these little moments throughout the game. For instance, every time you beat one of the bosses, you start coughing up weird digital blood. And you're like, "Hmm, what's going on here? Almost like you're fading out of existence. And it gets worse and worse as the game goes on. But they don't tell you what that is. They leave it up to you to figure out. And then throughout, I was looking at documents. I had that idea, but then I read that. It's like, oh, wow, that's amazing how they did that.
1: Gotcha. That that I mean, I'll have to play that. I think you were recommending that to me before. That's a Switch game, right?
0: Yeah, it's on Switch and PC. I recommend it on Switch. It runs really well, and it's nice having a handheld for sure.
1: So, I mean, I I I, you know, I was thinking about this because you know this question. Um, and I actually have two, two very specific games that I that I think. are, are like my definition of art and they're both like small games well not small games but like one is ubisoft made it and i didn't even realize that till the other day but child of light is one of the most beautiful games i think i've ever played in my entire life it's like a, it's very old school old-fashioned like um rpg combat system right but it's a very it's a 2d side scroller um and you play as a, like, a, like a little girl right and she's like in this like in this dream world the the thing that gets me about this is the music in that game is yep. it's so beautiful um you know the way that she talks to the other characters they always speak in like sonnets right it's never like they never just talk, have a conversation with each other they're always rhyming and they're like they're literally speaking um you know you know in a sonnet and it, it it's, it's just the way that it rolls out the way that you know she you watch her grow up and understand her place in the world um and it's not a hard game. It's not a challenging game, but like, to me, just that experience was beautiful. And I would highly recommend that game to anybody that's just looking to play like, you know, an right. RPG of some sort. The other one is uh, a little indie game. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it called braid. You ever play braid braid? No. Braid. So I mean, it would be a joke. Cause it's actually probably one of the more, more famous indie games. Um, it actually kind of, I think it started really started the indie game movement. Um, I won't, I'm not going to spoil it for you and how Braid goes, but like it, 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 it starts off as like a, just a 2D platformer, like Mario, right? Um, and you're just chasing after the princess, but as, as time goes on, as, as you're going through these different levels, and like basically you're the main gimmick of the game is you can control time. Um, as time goes on and it's, it's, you're getting closer to the end level and you're reading these like mm-hmm. little books that are spread out in between each level, you know, you, you're not really putting two and two together, but the ending, like completely takes the story and flips it at a 180 huh. and it is one of the most like beautiful moments in gaming that I think I've ever seen because it's like you think one way the entire game right and they leave little hints all throughout it but you're not putting those together and then all of a sudden it switches like that and you're just like oh shit that all makes sense now um, I would I would definitely highly recommend getting brave yeah. if you've never played it and uh, don't look up anything about it huh. just play it
0: that's literary elements. That's directly in movies and books and everything. The little details that give you the plot of the story and the main idea of the story, and then that has an even deeper meaning beyond that, for sure. Yeah,
1: and I think the, I think the big thing, right? I think the big thing when it's like non when we talk about non gamers and how they how they view games, like I think that everyone thinks it's just Mario, right? Yeah. Like you're oh they're just playing their Nintendo again. They're going after the right. princess. Like but you no, know, when you really boil it down, like these are these are stories, right? There is there are people like pouring their heart and souls into writing these games. Um mm-hmm. and I'm just an appreciator of media and and, and, and and art and I think that this is the perfect
0: personification of art. And a lot of the reading I did growing up was not from books. It was from playing a lot of JRPGs. I learned yeah, I learned a lot of words, honestly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I learned. I had basic levels of reading. I was in like first, second grade. But then I learned the advanced words because I was playing games that are meant for eighteen-year-olds at the time.
1: I learned. I learned what swear words were from Final Fantasy VII because every time <laughs> Barrett was yelling, I would ask my brother, "I'm like, what is What is, what is he saying right there? What, what is all those little like all yeah. symbols?" He goes, "Ah, it's a swear word." And he would teach me what they what, what he actually meant. It was awesome.
0: I actually brought up uh, a shot of light track and a hyperlight light director track. We all know what arcade game soundtrack sound like here's what we're at now and these are just indie games they're not even they don't even have huge budgets like a triple a game and here's the soundtracks they can still pull off this is a child of light aurora's theme oh it's the most beautiful song (laughs) (laughs) oh And that's in a freaking video game. That that's from right. a video game. Every once in a while, I'll drive around
1: town and I'll
0: I'll I'll actually put that song on. It and, makes
1: me feel
0: right. And I believe that game takes place pretty much in the woods, right? It's very fair. It's like fairies, woodland kind of creatures, right?
1: It's it's a very fa- fairy tale style. Yeah, game. and if you yeah, listen I mean, to the
0: soundtrack, it has a very folky fairy tale soundtrack.
1: But you it can hear like this. The sorrow in it right. too, yeah. Which is like what I love about that soundtrack is like, yeah, it's got these really bright, you know, like you said, like whimsical fairy, yep. you know, notes to it. But there's this, there's this like sadness to it, and it's just, it, I don't know, it, it captures a lot of different emotions. That's an indie game, you know, they don't have a budget,
0: <laughs> right? Right. Well, they do. It's just not actually. That's that, that was Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, they have sorry. a budget. Yeah, but still, but yeah, it's, they not a as, little bit of budget. It's still budget. not as much as I don't know Sony. Hyperlight Drifter is the same. I will just put on the soundtrack because I just think it's so well done. It's made by the same person that made the it follow soundtrack. It's a it was a Sundance film that ended up getting really popular and it made it in the mainstream theaters. And the soundtrack I love for that and he has a similar style here. Here's Hyperlight Drifter Vignette. melancholy of that track. It's so well done. It starts with a raw piano, everyone's familiar, and then he brings in these unfamiliar synthy sounds and it really gives the idea of this something haunting you and following you. Uh, I mean, after listening to that, I'm definitely going to Yeah, gonna, that's what I feel about Chariot Light too. When I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm downloading this. Tonight. I guess he's another game to add in my backlog. Right.
1: <laughs> I have so I have so many freaking Steam games yeah. that I haven't
0: touched. And I just decided to start the next fire emblem campaign like you know how you can do the three different stories i did yeah. black eagles a while last summer and i wanted to start the next one i think i'm gonna have to put that on hold now
1: <laughs> i have okay I have, I have a little bit of an admission here i love jrpgs i love strategy games yeah. i have never once played a fire emblem game
0: yeah i think you might like this one have you because re- it's especially if you're a fan of persona it's very similar it actually is a lot a lot of similarities between the way the game works. There's a battle sequence, and then you go back to the school and you have the social interaction part. It's not as deep as Persona, I would say, the social life interaction part, but it's still there. I think you might actually like this one because I myself have not ever played a Fire Emblem game, but I put a ton of time into this one. It really hooked me. I think you'd like it. So add that to yeah. your backlog too. I, you know, and the
1: thing is, I've always mean, I like, I always meant to play a Fire right. Emblem game, but the, the only thing I know about Fire Emblem is that they have a bunch of characters in Smash Brothers and yep. for some reason they keep adding them into it. Um, but, you know, and that's that's my extent of Fire Emblem knowledge. So, like, I, I've always wanted to give it a try because, you know, obviously I like these characters and I've looked it up before, but it's just like, like uh, I don't know if I'm going to yep. get into, like, a JRPG if I don't like it. Um, I'll give it a shot, though. I'm definitely going to download Hyper Light Drifter, yeah. though.
0: And I'm gonna, I want to talk about this more next episode, but I recently deleted my league of legends account (laughs) for this exact reason because there's so many amazing games and i'm just missing out on them and they're adding to my backlog because i just keep going back to league of legends i i have almost 1600 hours in that game
1: Yikes! yeah
0: (laughs) i need to get it and i it's one of those things where it's it's kind of like one of those forever games you'll never it's never over Right. So I just, I'm never going to, I'm never going to stop playing it. So the best I just have to delete it and get it on my, but I'll talk about that more next time.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the same. I, I made the decision I think last year after I rage quit during Overwatch. Yeah. When I, when I lost platinum because a bunch of pugs, I don't yep. know if, I don't know. I, I think I was playing with you at that time. I was like, I'm done with this game. I'm done. I, I feel and like I, that'd
0: be a good direction to go next to talk about those online games.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We can really burn that down. Yeah,
0: they're definitely taking over. It's, just, just, just everything's a Battle Royale or something similar. So, And they're all equally as frustrating. Yeah. So as and we start all, to wrap things lived. up, I want to go into the game roulette.
1: So the game roulette is something that we're going to try to do here. We're going to try and we're going to put together a list of uh, games that we've either wanted to play, um, you know, the two of us either wanted to play or it's like games that we we haven't really heard of that look interesting um, and we're going to put them through a program and every week we're going to uh, spin the wheel essentially. Yeah. Um, whatever game it lands on, both myself and Kevin will download that game um, and try to play it by the t- you know, and get through it as much as we can by the next episode and then we'll just do a review on, on that
0: game. Alright. The game for next week will be Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Excellent. I was kind of hoping it was going to be that. There is a few options. I'm glad it was this one. I've been waiting to play this one.
1: Yeah, I I'm a big fan of Metroidvania games. Yep. Um, I always have been. Like, ho- look at Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is mm-hmm. one of you know beautiful game of our generation. Um, but I was I was really excited to see this because it, it it is a spiritual successor to Castlevania.
0: Yeah, I heard they almost co- they copy scenes almost exactly in certain sections be cool
1: awesome awesome yeah. i yeah I'm, I'm excited to play this i'm gonna start downloading that right now actually
0: yeah and it'll be good to continue the conversation of how is this a story-based game is it like a gameplay is it on the nose or is it there's a little subtle thing throughout so i'll be looking for that when i play it for sure
1: oh absolutely i'm gonna be paying super close attention to the soundtrack
0: <laughs> Yeah, but we'll definitely be going to be getting to blunt state next week and as the podcast goes on. Eventually, we're going to let viewers and listeners pick the game that we're going to play. So we'll see how this goes.
1: I think and, that would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Like any suggestions. Yeah, you know? right. And maybe someone control us and make us play some horrible game.
1: Like Let's, Shower With Your Dad Simulator on Steam.
0: Yeah. All right. This has been the Save Sphere Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And Don't forget to save.
1: See you later.